From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Republican U.S. Senate candidates Leah Vukmir and Kevin Nicholson met for their first debate Thursday night ahead of the August primary. The winner will face Democrat Tammy Baldwin in November. The debate was going along pretty standard fare, but then at the end, things got a little heated. During closings, Vukmir was portraying herself as the true conservative in the race, and she touted her experience in the state legislature. Nicholson billed himself as the outsider who has forged his experience as a Marine on the battlefields of Iraq and Afghanistan. Then it dissolved into an argument about whether Vukmir respects Nicholson's military service. Vukmir accused Nicholson of dealing a low blow and insisted that she does respect his service. She also asked for an apology, but didn't really get one from him. So what factors are in play here, and is this indicative as to how ugly this race might get? I would not expect these guys to play nice for the next couple of months. We have a state convention coming up in May, which is going to be huge in this race for Leah Vukmir because she's pushing very hard to win the party's endorsement. Now, um, the two of them signed a kind of a unity agreement a couple of months ago. And so every time we see these guys go after each other, it's kind of this like, oh, so much for that unity agreement. But to be honest with you, that agreement wasn't about them being nice or trying to police the, the, the language they use toward each other. It's about making sure that once this is all done, they come back together. And two, the party's trying to keep an orderly process for convention vote because you've already seen signs from Nicholson that he's trying to downplay the expectation of the endorsement vote. Vukmir has known these guys, these activists of the party for a long time. Nicholson is not. But even if she wins the endorsement, which would be big for her, would be big for her in terms of like, you know, resources and access to donor lists, that Nicholson will continue to run as the outsider against the establishment. We heard that kind of tone Thursday night talking about the Madison Swamp uh, to go along the one in Washington, D.C. So even if she wins that endorsement vote, He's still got an avenue to run as the outsider and play that up. He's also, by the way, got a lot of outside help right now. So um, we're just seeing the beginning shots of what's going to be a uh, three-and-a-half-month war between the two of them. Interesting. On another topic, it looks like UW Regent and former Ryan aide Brian Stile is going to be the Republican to beat in the race to replace House Speaker Paul Ryan in Wisconsin's 1st District. Stile emailed supporters last week and told them he raised a quarter million dollars in the first three days of his candidacy. This sparked a reaction from Democratic candidate Randy Bryce's camp. They were wondering what kind of donors put up that kind of money in such a short time. Do these numbers surprise you? In talking to people after the news came out, they talked about how this is a good early fundraising number for Brian Stile. Now, he's got until uh, the end of June for the second quarter to have a kind of a full three-month period to show what he can do. Um, this is a good early number, but what else can he do? Don't forget Randy Bryce. Uh, his campaign told us that he raised $210,000 in the 13 days after Paul Ryan announced he wouldn't seek re-election. There's been a big question with Bryce because he's become a vehicle or had become a vehicle for those who opposed Paul Ryan nationally to kind of express their opposition, right? So you give money to Bryce, it shows that you're trying to beat Paul Ryan. Well, now Paul Ryan's out of the race. Will Bryce's fundraising drop off? That's a key thing to watch. 
He was at, I think, $4.75 million raised already to the end of March. He continues to have very impressive numbers for a first-time House candidate. Can he keep it up? For Brian Stile, there's a question of, all right, what can you do? Um, now, there's always a chance. The one thing I'm watching there is, will somebody with uh, personal money get in that race? It's a, The window is closing quickly, but there's still time. If we're interested in doing that, if that person emerged, that could give Brian uh, a real challenge to the nomination. But right now, he's the Republican to beat in that race. At the same time the fundraising machine was churning for Brian Stile, it also was churning last week for Governor Walker, as Vice President Mike Pence was in Milwaukee stumping for him. He appeared at a rally for Walker at the Wisconsin Center, then hosted a private fundraiser for the governor at night. About how much money do you think a heavy hitter like Mike Pence can raise for Walker in one sitting like that? Oh, you can you can bring in a pretty big check. Um, the tickets, the invitation that I saw for that, the tickets were going for up to $10,000 to have up to two people take a picture with the vice president. So, you know, it's not hard to get the numbers added up quickly with that kind of a, a top ticket. Um, that was one of the benefits for Walker. No, some people made a, a big deal of the fact that the fundraiser was kind of reported on not long after the Supreme Court race uh, results came in. Talking to people, you don't get the vice president in a town like at the drop of a hat. So this thing probably been in the works for weeks, if not months, ahead of that Supreme Court race. But it is a sign that we're going to be a priority this fall. There are going to be resources coming in here. The question is going to be how vulnerable is Walker and how does that Democratic field coalesce to have somebody who's a viable challenger? And once that primary is over the Democratic side, will the money come flowing in then to help him or her take on Scott Walker? Because I'm going to bet you money that come mid-July when we see the finance reports, the first half of 2018, that Scott Walker will have a huge financial advantage over the Democratic field because they seem to be struggling to break to raise money right now and break away from the pack. So they're going to need all the help they can get when the Democrats emerges April, August 14th to take on Walker between you know mid-August and November. Interesting that you mentioned that. Um, one of my sources predicted that the 2018 Wisconsin governor's race could top $100 million, with much of that coming from special interests on both sides. I believe that would be a record-breaker for Wisconsin. Is it possible that this race could be a chart-topper? You know, it's always hard to say what it could be. I mean, don't forget, like in 2012, we had all kinds of crazy stuff happening with the recall election, and Walker had no contribution limits. So he'll be reined in more than what we saw uh, six years ago with, with contributions from donors. But it just depends on where do we fit in the pecking order. These races get more expensive every cycle. Uh, the bar goes up all the time. But if we're not as competitive in September, October, we're not going to get the resources. If things look like Walker is a good bet for re-election, Democrats will put the resources elsewhere. Likewise, if Walker still looks vulnerable in mid-October and Dems see an opportunity, you can bet they will pour money in here for the opportunity to beat Scott Walker. On another topic, Foxconn was back in the news last week. The DNR approved air quality permits, and it approved the city of Racine's request for the company to pull 7 million gallons of water per day from Lake Michigan to operate its massive LCD screen manufacturing plant. Plus, the company indicated that shovels could turn very soon. So is this good news for Governor Walker because it shows Foxconn is committed to bringing this project to fruition? Absolutely. Um, 
Scott Walker has got an issue right now with how voters perceive the state subsidy package for Foxconn. <clears throat> it is <clears throat> it is a drag for him, especially out state. We've seen that in polling from Marquette and other places. So what Scott Walker needs, and the people who are backing the project in general, are see shovels in the ground, see contractors hired who for, are from Wisconsin, see suppliers hired who are from Wisconsin. They need to show not only that this plant going up and it's real, but also that there's an impact beyond southeastern Wisconsin. If you're a voter in Eau Claire, Wausau, La Crosse, Superior, what is the connection for you to Foxconn? You're seeing the, the amount of money going into making that happen and going, where is my piece of that pie? So that's the issue for Walker and the backers. How do they make a connection to people out state and how they show this thing is happening, having the plant going up, seeing progress, it is it makes it tangible for people and it makes gives Walker an avenue to say, look, I told you this is coming, here's the sign it's gonna actually happen. Well, meanwhile, uh, Democrats blasted the moves, especially the air and water permits, calling it um, a rush and saying it would result in uh, putting Wisconsin families at risk. Are Democrats going to capitalize on this in the race to unseat Governor Walker? They have made this an issue. They see an opportunity in polling. The question still is, how does it develop between now and November? I mean, it seems like it's, it's not that far away, but in politics, you know, six months can be an eternity sometimes and how the winds shift, what's going on in Washington, D.C., what issues will drive how this race is viewed. But the Democrats right now, <coughs> they see Foxconn as a problem for Scott Walker. They see it as something that popular voters out state and something they capitalize upon because you hear a lot of uh, language now about things being rigged. And it's from both sides. You know, the economy is rigged. This is rigged. Um, you know, it's making it harder for you, the average person, to get ahead. This isn't a way that Democrats will use it is to talk about how this system was rigged in favor of, you know, a foreign company coming to Wisconsin and getting all this money to build a plant. How come they're not helping, you know, you in town X? That's some what you're going to see from Democrats between now and November. And finally, Democratic State Senator Lena Taylor is now being prosecuted for disorderly conduct. She was cited last week for a civil violation stemming from an incident in which she allegedly berated a bank teller in Milwaukee and hurled a racial slur in the process. She has pleaded not guilty. Have you heard anything more about whether the Senate will reprimand her? Uh, we've been asking. There are no signs of that. Um, we knew a citation for a while. This development kind of opens the door to the next question of, well, what might the fallout be for Lena, not just in the Capitol, but in Milwaukee? I mean, her name's been floated from time to time for other offices. She ran for county executive. So if she has hopes to do something else in Milwaukee, will this hurt her? Uh, will this can be an issue that comes back to bite her that uh, people hold it against her if she's convicted, if this goes through? Will there be an impact for Lena Taylor going forward? Good to talk to you, Jr. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.